if, uh, if we don't get a chance to meet you, hope you know we love you. If, if not, just come, come meet us, and uh, we're just happy to have you here. We believe that God brought you here because he loves you, and, and so we love you. Um, got a few things going on today. Um, this week, we have uh, the, the, women's, uh, the women's ministry team has ladies game night on Thursday, February 9th from 6 to 8. It's going to be up here in the, in the upper chapel. So if you want to come to that and you're a lady, uh, bring a snack, and it should be great. Uh, 6 to 8 p.m. up in the upper chapel on Thursday. Then uh, after this service, we have our business meeting. I know, sounds boring. It won't be long. It's not boring. Uh, a lot of times we just spend some time uh, just hearing about what God is doing here at the church. And so there's a, a little bit of boring business and a lot of uh, hearing what God is doing. So join us if you can. That'd be great right after this service. Then uh, at 4 o'clock today, we have the summer mission trip meeting. So we have two mission trips that God's called our church to be a part of this summer. The first one is to Portugal on July 8th through the 15th, and we'll be doing um, some team camp with the, the, the church that's there. And that church is, is uh, Mario and Lancey, and Lancey is Pastor Rick's daughter. And so we've been there uh, many times working with those churches in Portugal, and it'll be a great trip. Uh, just just going there and encouraging those people and walking alongside them and doing what God has for us there. Then we have a trip to Zambia on August 4th through the 18th, and then we're going to go there with the orphanage that we've been working with. Um, it's, a, it's a great orphanage way out in the bush. It'll be a great opportunity for us to just love those kids and uh, go out into the bush and do some ministry. And <laughs> there's, just no, there's nothing better than going on mission and I know that uh, not everyone's called to it. I know that God, God knows who he wants to come. And if you're one of those people, come tonight and, uh, at 4 o'clock and bring your commitment, bring your $200 deposit, and uh, let's, let's do this thing. But if you're not called to it, if you know, if you're here today and you know that that's not what God's calling you to do, um, then you have a role. We have a role as a church to send people to pray to, want, to encourage those that are going. And so we, we don't get to take this any other way, but seriously as a church, God wants us to go on mission. He wants us to be about missions. So I, I just hope that you'll, uh, you'll engage with us as we walk through this process between now and the summer. Um, then lastly, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Uh, we have the, the bread and the juice here, and we're going to prepare our hearts. And you have some time to stand up on your feet and, uh, Go ahead and stand up on your feet and think about what Jesus has done for us and think about how he died on the cross for us and think about your heart and just getting your heart ready to, to drink this juice and, and eat this bread and think about that's literally Jesus' body and blood going inside us so that we can remember. Bow your heads and close your eyes. and Oh, God, thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here this morning, Lord, out of our places, Lord out of our difficulty, Lord, out of our, our, uh, the difficultness of our week or the hardship in our minds, God, or the stress, the, the, <laughs> the mundane, God. But we're here in your house today, God, and there's nothing mundane about it, Lord, because you're in control and your hand is upon us and your hand is in the midst of us, Lord, and you're going to speak your word to us, Lord, and we're going to worship you in response to it and obey you. I pray that we would. Amen. Let's begin this morning. Long for the Sabbath. It's appropriate for us here this morning to, as God's gathered people. So let's read it together. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, 
and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Read it to us in Spanish, Brenda. Bueno es alabarte, O Jehová, y cantar salmos a tu nombre, O Altísimo. Anunciar por la mañana tu misericordia y tu fidelidad cada noche. En el decacordio y en el salterio, en tono suave con el arpa. Por cuanto me has alegrado, oh Jehová, con tus obras, en las obras de tus manos me gozo. Cuán grandes son tus obras, oh Jehová, muy profundos son tus pensamientos. Amen. Let's rejoice in the work of our God today. When I see the beauty of the sunset's glory, amazing artistry across the evening sky. When I feel the mystery of a distant galaxy, it awes and humbles me to be loved by God so high. What can I do but thank you? What can I do but give my life to you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. What can I do but praise you? Every day make everything I do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. story of a God of mercy. We share humanity suffered by our side. Of the cross they nailed to you that could not hold you. Now you're making all things new by the power of your risen life.
You will return to your place as we'll stand and sing again to our great Lord, our Creator. God's Word, how we get these pictures of the end times in Revelation and the scenes of worship that are there. And uh, we get a small glimpse of it here this morning as, our, as we gather as a body and we get to sing to our Lord and Creator. And uh, we're going to go on with this song, All the Saints and Angels, they bow before your throne. And 
these elders casting their crowns before the Lamb of God and singing. And so join with us in that this morning. When we get to the chorus, Brenda's going to lead it in Spanish. So don't be confused. Uh, join with her as best you can or just sing, uh, sing what you know. So let's sing this together.
be seated. We're going to watch a video from an India mission trip that Nick and Michelle did a while ago.
My name is Nick Belleville. This is my wife, Michelle. We're early, early service people, so you may not know us, but uh, we're here to just talk about the trip we were on uh, last fall. I remember presenting it. You know, we were going to India, and, and uh, um, boy, what a what a trip. Uh, seeing the video just brought back uh, uh, just, and they say the picture is worth a thousand words. It's actually, in this case, almost the opposite. You'd need a thousand words to describe each one of those pictures and what's going on in those, and so... Uh, last fall, we went with uh, Pastor Jason, who was our assistant pastor here for a number of years, and uh, his church um, sponsored a uh, pastor's retreat, and, and through, through the whole COVID pandemic, India, a lot of Mumbai was shut down, a lot of India was, and the, uh, the pastors were allowed to take food, and they were one of the only ones that were allowed to take food into homes, and so as a result of that, a number of the pastors in that society passed away from COVID, and so uh, they, they were just on lockdown, and they... they uh, they wanted to get together but couldn't afford to get together. And so Jason's church sponsored a, a, a pastor's retreat at this, at this uh, resort. And, um, you know, if you know uh, Pastor Jason's history of going to India, you know these people just love, they loved us. But I mean, they just love Jason. They love his teaching and they love who he is and they loved us. Um, and the reason I say that is when you see that, that picture of us sliding down the slide, um, Jason didn't want to get in the water. And if you see, if you look really closely, when I say there's a, a description of, of thousand words for each picture, you know, a lot of the people that were just loving the fact that they were in a pool, never seen really a pool before, never been in a pool before, were in their full clothes. They maybe brought one or two outfits and they would just, Michelle got people, she'll tell you her story, but, um, the, they would just get into the pool in their clothes. They didn't have any swimsuits. They just got in and enjoyed, but they, they, Jason stayed out of the pool, and I kind of stayed out of the pool for a little bit less than Jason did. But um, when I got in, they, they were, oh, hey, he's going to It was very good to see, you know, as a part of, of, of their fellowship. And when Jason slid down <laughs> that slide, you should have seen how many people were there to watch him do that. And they were worried about him. They were worried about, you know, his, just his overall, like, uh, and those slides were they were a little iffy, but the <laughs> the when he when he went into the water that that water was about four feet deep, and when he went into it, he hit his tailbone, and I think he broke his tailbone, and so for probably three or four days he was he was in a lot of pain, you know, teaching and you know, sit all day, but um, love he he just a I just wanted to share one other thing when we say a thousand words that that picture of Madhu. That, uh, that means really nothing maybe to you, but that lady was uh, probably 10 to 15 years ago rescued from sex trafficking. And by their ministry there, she's HIV positive, and she wanted to go back into the ministry with them to help reach women, help pull them out of sex trafficking. She's married. She, it was like, I saw her Madhu, because I'd been before. Madhu, she's in one of the churches, and... and uh, uh, she's married and, and you know, it's just God is working so much in that place. And it was just such a blessing to be there. But, um, you know, the, the really, if you get the opportunity really to, as Aaron shared, like to go and to be a part of other people's lives, what you realize is those people, you can send them money and money's not, it helps feed them, but they want you there. They love having you there and probably everybody who's, and on those trips understands that. They want the fellowship. They want you to be a part of their lives, and they want to be a part of your lives. And so um, I've talked enough here. I'll let Michelle. 
So I am known as the greatest woman in all of India. And I remind Nick of that all the time. <laughs> um, I went down the slides with the women, and um, that's kind of a story in and of itself. But when I got up, that water is only three or four feet deep, and I cracked my head on the bottom of the pool, and I kind of stepped confused. And this pastor said, You're the greatest woman in all of India. <laughs> because look at all the women that came with you down that slide. And, and so... That's, I always remind them. And, um, but honestly, you know, there was a time that you guys prayed for us because the police were going to come interview us because it's illegal to teach for um, foreigns to come in and teach the Bible in India. And they had everywhere teacher, Nick Belville, teacher, Jason Smith, Michelle Belville. Like, Let's take down the signs. And they didn't. And, um, and we had to really face, and I was thankful for Nick because... We had learned in Philippians that day, do not fear those who oppose you because it is a sign to them of their destruction. And um, that's the rubber meets the road, as Nick said. And um, so we had to choose to decide not to be afraid. And that was Tuesday night. And then Wednesday night was our Thursday morning. Wednesday night here, and you guys were praying for us. And um, we felt it going into Thursday, going, okay, the Lord's going to be with us and take care of us. And guess what? The police didn't show up. <laughs> God answered your prayers, so thank you for praying for us and being there with that. Do you remember praying for Nick and Michelle? Last September, uh, Pastor Mike called us to pray for them, and God answered. That's awesome. Let's pray for India, and we do. I, I've been to India four times, I guess, uh, on mission trips, and God's at work there, just like they mentioned. But they need our prayers. It's a rough country. If you haven't been to India, yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> it's quite the place. So let's pray for India. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for... Being our great God, thank you that you've called us to be on mission at all times here in Casper and around the world. I pray for the, the great country of India. So many people, Lord, many, many we people, believers here and there, churches, you're at work, you're blessing the ministries over there, and we and just we uh, need to. are just thrilled to be a part of that. Thank you for taking Nick and Michelle, that you answered our prayers and kept them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the offering. Men, if you could come forward. Sure. 
fortress is our God, a bulwark never fails. Our helper, He amid the flood of mortal ills prevails. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus it is He, for Sabbath.
in and under can go to Super Church. And good morning, everybody. What a blessed day. What a, a great song. Our God is good, and he is a mighty fortress. I love to just think about what the Bible says about God sometimes, and to have a fortress to stay safe in, it's powerful. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 20 with me this morning. We're going to continue on from where we left off last week, and it's really kind of a continuation of what Jesus taught us last week. And, and so it's, it's interesting to me because sometimes in Scripture, you know, you, uh, it's, it's easy to get out of balance if you're not careful. It's easy to read the stuff that sounds good to you, to read the stuff that you like to know, but it's, it's tougher sometimes when you realize that God wants you to have a balance and an understanding of who he is and how he works in our lives. And so we're going to kind of see that a little bit today. Uh, last week, if you were here, you'll remember, and if you weren't, we, we talked about the rich young ruler that had come to Jesus and said to him, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life, to obtain eternal life? And uh, Jesus says something that's really important for us to, to pick up on. He says, why do you talk to me about what is good? And he's talking about God, right? Basically what he's saying is, here you are asking me about how am, are you, or what can I do that's good to obtain eternal life. And he's saying to him, you're not good. None of us are good, right? None of us are going to stand before God on our own merits. None of us are going to stand on God on our own works because we're all sinners. There's no doubt about that. So he tells them that. And then he begins to kind of bring him to that place where he has to do something about his condition. And so, so Jesus, after he tells him that, says, well, here, keep these commandments. And the young man says, which ones? And he tells him, and, you know, he's hoping that he has kept them. And, and when Jesus tells him the commandments, he says, all these I've done since my youth, I've kept since my youth. And we know it's not true. I mean, if you guys try to keep the commandments, you're going to find out very, very quickly, nobody keeps them all Matter of fact, probably nobody keeps any of them perfectly, right? And the scripture says if you break one, you break them all. So, okay. But he's, he's a good guy in his own eyes. And so Jesus says, well, okay, you know, because this guy says, well, I kept them all. What, what am I still lacking? And so Jesus says, well, do this one thing. Go sell all that you possess. Give to the poor and you'll have reward in heaven. And then come follow me. And he really brings him to the core of it, right? If you're going to have eternal life, you have to make Christ your Savior, Christ your Lord. He has to be more important to you than anything else. And when he's important to you, you follow him. That's just the way that is. That's a Christian life. You follow Christ. You're saved through faith in Jesus Christ, and then you follow him. If you don't follow him, honestly, there's no way to say you're saved. There's no way. Scripture's too clear from cover to cover. I mean, God knows the hypocrite. You can say what you want to, but you stand acceptable to God on Christ alone, right? It's his righteousness that makes us acceptable to God alone. That's it. And I, I love this verse, you know, 2 Corinthians five twenty one. but God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's incredible to me, Right? How can I be righteous before God? I'm given that righteousness by Christ, in Christ. That's how I stand before God. So, so the young man, the Bible says, walks away because he's not willing 
right, to put his faith in Jesus Christ and follow Jesus Christ, and therefore he walks away from eternal life, and he grieves. And Jesus says it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven, and and they say, well, who can be saved? And he says, well, God's possible. But, but the last part that we looked at last week, you know, Peter has an interesting question. He says, behold, we've left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And we talked about this. Jesus gave him the answer. And we talked about how important this is for us, right? When you come to know Jesus Christ, you should wonder, like, are there, what blessings does God have for me? It's a fair question to ask. And Jesus answers the question, right? He says, first of all, you'll sit on 12 tri- our 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And we talked about how difficult that can be to really fully understand that. But the fact that that would be a great honor, you know, to be a part of the kingdom, be part of what God was going to do. And not only that, but we'll receive many times more father and mother, sister or brother, son or daughter, mother, you know, and farms and eternal life. And we talked about the fact that, yes, there's incredible blessings. But, but here's the thing. You got to be careful with that, right? Here's Peter going, all right, Lord, you offered this young man rewards in heaven if he sold all his possessions and gave to the poor and then come to follow you. So Peter then says, well, Lord, we already have left everything to follow you. So what then will there be for us? And while that's a fair question, the problem with that question is you can make, right, your walk with Christ all about you instead of all about him. And so Jesus doesn't finish there, right? Jesus finishes the last part we looked at last week in verse 30, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And it's talking about those that work really hard to try to make themselves acceptable to God. They're going to be last. And those that come by faith are going to be first, right? Well, look at this passage of scripture with me today, chapter 21 through 16. And Jesus ends in verse 16 with the same phrase. The first shall be last and last shall be first. And realize that this is kind of a bracketed little address here to continue on the thought. So verse 1, chapter 20, says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour 
And you have made them equal to us who have be, who've borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for one denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I, but I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it really is incredible to be here today. I know, Lord, that we're not here by accident. I know that you brought us here by design because you have something you want to say to us. I know, Lord, you desire for us to walk together and to worship you together as your body and that you might get glory through us. And how I pray, Lord God, that you would just speak now, Lord, that you would humble us and remove anything that would hinder our our ability to hear, our willingness to hear. And I pray, Lord God, for those that don't know you as Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation and that your name would be glorified in all that's done. Lord, I love you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here's this little parable. It's not hard to understand. It's pretty simple, right? It starts very simply, and I, but I love this, for the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, man, when you read that in the scripture, uh, again, you should just pay attention. You should pay attention whenever you're reading the Bible, but pay attention. If you want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like, hear it from the Savior, who establishes the kingdom, right? This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is how the kingdom of heaven is going to look. This is how the kingdom of heaven works. This is how the kingdom of heaven is built. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says it's like this. A landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for, for his vineyard, when he had agreed with the, the laborers for denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now this is simple, right? A landowner would have been a landowner, would have been a guy with property, would have been a guy who had the ability to grow his own crops. In this particular case, he's growing grapes, right? And so he just simply goes out early in the morning. Early in the morning would be 6 a.m. here, the beginning of their day. Their day went from sunup till sundown. We would equate it to 6 to 6, if you will, for us. Then their night was from six at night till six in the morning. And then they just out, named the hours one by one, right? So early in the morning is six o'clock as the sun's coming up. He goes to the marketplace. Verse three tells us that's where he goes with the others. Goes to the marketplace. He sees these guys who are laborers, right? These are guys who are waiting for someone to hire them. These would have been guys that weren't lab- or landowners, right? Landowners had an ability to make income from their crops and to feed themselves by their crops. But the guys that didn't own land and didn't own property and couldn't grow their own food, they had to work for it. And typically that meant that they were a little poorer, definitely more needy, kind of dependent on somebody else to feed them. I mean, honestly, if you have a job, that's you, right? You're dependent on somebody else to pay your salary so that you can feed your family and take care of yourself. And so these guys would have been very much like that. But Maybe a little more desperate, you know, because if you don't work, they literally don't eat. I mean, it's just the way that was in these, you know, early days. So here's these laborers, and he, in this particular group, 
is, is a little different, says, it, for you guys, let's talk about what you're going to earn for the day. A denarius is usually the day's wage, so you'll agree to work for me for the day, 12 hours for a denarius. And obviously they do, so he sends them into the field. Well, then it just simply says, as the day goes on, he went out about the third hour, nine o'clock in the morning. He saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those, he said, you also go into the vineyard and whatever's right, I'll give you. And so they went. And so, you know, nine o'clock, he goes out, sees some more people standing idle, it says, and he sends them out. And it's always interesting to me when I read through these things, I want to kind of dissect them. Got any other dissectors in here? You want to have all the answers. You want to know, first of all, why were these guys still idle at 9 o'clock in the morning when the other guys were working at 6 o'clock in the morning? And you want to know why he wanted more help, right? Well, don't do that with this one. You might miss it. Because some of you like to speculate. Any speculators in here? I know a few of you are for sure. Don't do that. Because he's already told us what's going on. We'll look at that later. If we look down at... Verse 5 says he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. So he went to the marketplace at noon, saw men standing around idle at noon, told them to go to the vineyard. Saw a man at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, still idle, not working at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, said, go into the vineyard, just like he did with the ones at 9, just like he did with the ones at 6. And then in verse 6, it says, in about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? Now, I think that's kind of a fair question. It's five o'clock in the afternoon. Their work day is finished at dark at six or approximately at that time. You guys haven't done anything all day long. Why are you still here? And their answer is really very simple. Though, again, we want to speculate, right? But the answer is simple, because no one hired us. Simple. And so he says to them, you go into the vineyard too. That's the picture. This is the picture of what's taking place in this guy's life. And so it's simple to see, but it's, it's kind of different, extraordinary. I mean, quite honestly, all of us would ask the question, why would you hire a guy for an hour? All of us would ask that question. I think that's fair. Why would you hire a guy for three hours? But anyway, let's see what Jesus says about this. Verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with last Now, it was illegal in Israel to not pay a guy at the end of the day. I mean, they were so needy and so dependent on that money to feed their families that it was in the law of Moses that if a man works for you for the day, you're to pay him at the end of the day. So it wasn't extraordinary for him to pay him at the end of the day. It was ob obliged to do that, right? But what was a little different was that he said, begin with the last ones first, pay them first. And, and we kind of understand that that's a little different I mean, let's just be blunt about this. If you got a guy working for you who started at 6 o'clock and he's been through the heat of the day like they say, he's borne the brunt of the work, and he's 6 o'clock at night, he's tired, he's hot, he's sweaty, he's ready to go home, he's probably hungry, 
you would think that you would start with him and say, thank you, have a great night, appreciate you, whatever, move on. But to start with a guy that's only been there for an hour, he hasn't even broke a sweat yet. Well, unless you're like me. But it just doesn't make sense. But obviously, right, this is a parable. This is something Jesus wants us to learn. This is something important for us. This is not some practical thing that would happen every day. This is how Jesus is teaching us a truth that we need to learn. And so, sure enough, it says in verse 9, when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was that guy, I'd have been like, sweet, right? That's incredible. I mean, that was a significant amount of money. That's 12 hours worth of work you've done, and you've got an entire day's wages. When you went home to the wife that night, she'd have been happy with you, right? Way to go, dear. Who did you work for? That's a very generous guy. Would have been awesome. But verse 10 says, when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. Huh. Anybody here with pride? Man, there's not even one here with pride. Oh, we got a couple. Finally, I got guilt you into having pride. I know that's not true. Because pride is this kind of deep-seated deception that we probably all have at different times in our life. And I mean it, it's a deception, right? Pride is this thing that says that we are more than what we really are and we deserve more than what we typically get. And when somebody doesn't treat us well, you know, uh, we deserve better. And I mean, pride is just this ugly thing. And pride is ugly in the scriptures, right? There's something that years ago, man, it just has been embedded in my mind, in my heart, that says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a powerful verse in scripture. It's not my way. It's not my thought. It's God's thought. And I've always had this picture that if I'm going to walk in pride, that I'm going to have to walk in opposition to God. He's going to walk in opposition to me. And how far, how far are we going to get? How well are we going to live if we're walking in opposition simply because we make more of ourselves than we should? Well, we're not going to get very far. But no matter who you are, no matter what you know about pride, if you'd worked all day long and expected more, which you would think would be normal, right? I mean, aren't we all about being fair? Aren't we all about somehow being just, even though a lot of times our just is personal just, right? As long as I get my way, it's just. And as long as if I don't get my way, it's not just, right? That's just pride, by the way. But here's the deal. Most of us, if we worked all day long and saw the boss pay the guy that worked for an hour a denarius, we would naturally think we deserve more, right? Well, they didn't get more. And so it says in verse 11, when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner. 
And the verb tense there means they kept grumbling. They kept grumbling and grumbling. It would not stop grumbling. Here's what they said to him. These last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us. Did you hear that? These men only worked one hour and you have made them equal. You have elevated them to our level. Because that's pride. That's so much pride. It's nothing but pride. I know we feel justified in that pride. I know we feel justified in that stance. But this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Not the kingdom of men. So these guys are showing pride. You've elevated them to our level, equal to us. We've borne the burden. We've done the majority of the work. And we've been out there in the scorching heat of the day. These guys came on at 5 o'clock and it was cool. They didn't even have to suffer the sun. And all of us kind of go, well, that sure makes sense, don't we? There isn't a person in this room that would not feel the same way. Not one. All of us would expect more, almost demand more, because we're worth more, because we've done more, we've earned more, whatever you want to say. Right? Put it any way you want to. But listen to what the landowner says, because it's insightful. I mean, you really think you have it all down. You've stated your case. He's going to pay you more. Verse 13 says, but he answered and said to one of them, friend, and I love this, he's humble. Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? All right, so the first thing he says is, how have I wronged you? How have I wronged you? You and I made an agreement. Before you ever went to the field, we made an agreement. If you went out and did that 12 hours of work, I'd pay you a denarius. You agreed to it. Now you tell me how I've wronged you. It'd be, it'd be hard to argue with that, though some of us would, right? Some of us that like to argue would just be getting started. Right, well, that's before you called the guys out at 5 o'clock. That's before the guy at 9 o'clock. Maybe the same that I made. I mean, right, we'd have an argument for him. But he goes on. He says, take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Now he's talking about his motives. You take what's yours. I didn't wrong you. But I wish to give to these last men the same thing I gave to you. And he says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Our arguments are fading. They don't have any strength now because he's really laying it out as a personal choice, right? He's laying it out as a personal desire He's laying it out as him saying, what I really want is to be generous. That's my whole motive here, is to be generous. Now that's really important for us to see. And if you will, he says, or is your eye envious because I am generous, right? It's lawful for me to do whatever I want to with what is mine, but 
you're envious because I've been generous. Well, now let's go back and kind of think about this thing because quite honestly, you know, this little parable, while it is simple on the surface, has to be tied into what we talked about last week, right? Jesus taught about the dangers of wanting riches more than him, right? That's what part of that was last week. You can't love your riches. You can't love your wealth. You can't love yourself. You can't love the world and follow me. You have to give it up to follow me, right? So then Peter asked the question, well, Lord, if you were going to offer that rich guy rewards in heaven and eternal life, what's in it for us? Because we've already left everything. We've been following you for a while. Shouldn't our reward be more, right? Jesus tells him what the reward is, but shouldn't our reward be more? That's the danger of thinking that following Jesus is all about what we get out of it. Following Jesus is all about personal gain, personal, you know, uh, acknowledgement, personal glory. There's a lot more to us sometimes than we want there to be, right? That pride thing is so deceptive that quite honestly, sometimes if we're following Jesus and we're not getting enough out of it, man, we get offended, don't we? Somebody shake your head. Shake your head. Because it's true. Sometimes we are so self-focused that if we're not careful, if God's not meeting our expectations, if God's not coming up with what we want him to come up with, if God's not showing us as somebody awesome, then, man, we're like, what's in it for me, and why would I even want to follow Jesus? So Jesus tells this parable, right? And it's not about working in a field. That's the hard part about it. And we see that by the people that he started at three or excuse me, he's at nine and at 12 and at three and at five. It's not about just the work. It's not about getting him out there so they can earn something from him. Matter of fact, it wasn't about that with the people he started at, at six. It's about him being generous. This parable is about him being generous. I mean, when we want to make this, you know, understanding of why were these people standing idle all day long? And we want to, you know, ask ourselves, why were they standing? Were they lazy? You know, did they sleep in? Weren't they good workers? I mean, you can ask all those questions and speculate about all the answers if you want to, but the answer is the same for all of these different groups. The reason the landowner, Jesus Christ, sent them into the field was because he was generous, because they needed him to provide for them. He saw these men in the marketplace, and they weren't going to work if somebody didn't hire them. So what he was offering them was a way to take care of their families. What he was offering them was a way for them to be blessed. What he was giving to them was himself and his generosity. It wasn't about the vineyard at all. It was about them. And so he sends the first group into the field because he's generous. He sends the second group into the field because he's generous. He sends the third and the fourth and the fifth group into the field because he's generous. And when he pays them, he pays them all the same because it wasn't about them earning it 
anyway. If he hadn't hired them, they wouldn't have made a dollar, let alone a denarius. And so Jesus says the kingdom of heaven's this way. The kingdom of heaven is not about Peter saying, well, Lord, we left everything to follow you. Lord, we've been walking with you all this way. Shouldn't our reward be bigger? Shouldn't our reward be greater? Jesus said, here's your reward. There's some rewards for following me. But be careful, Peter. Be careful not to get selfish in your relationship with Jesus. Be careful not to get proud in your relationship with Jesus. Now, I know College Heights, and you guys are awesome, and none of us would ever struggle with selfishness, right? Hmm. I've actually had people get mad, even leave the church, because they weren't getting out of it what they thought they should have. Years and years ago, I had a lady get mad because whoever, before I ever got to our church, made some policy that says you, we don't lend tables and chairs out to members. They would just leave them at the church, use them there. So she called me one, one holiday and said, can I borrow some tables from the church? And I said, if it were up to me, yes, but it's not up to me. Can't do it. And she says to me this, this is a quote. If I can't borrow tables from the church, what has God ever done for me? Hmm, let me think about that. Died to save your soul? Anyway, you think we don't struggle with pride? You think we don't struggle with selfishness? You think we don't get out of balance? Now, the Bible is clear, right? Simple verses, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does that speak about a gift? It does speak about a gift. Is it earned? No. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is gift of God, not as a result of works, so that what? So no man may boast. Right? Now let's talk, let's talk about this, right? This guy, Christ, the landowner, is telling Peter, no matter how long you've walked, no matter how much you've left, no matter how much you've given, it was an act of grace for me to give you the life that you have received. And if I give that grace to somebody who comes later, and I, I give that grace to somebody who comes later, and I give that grace to somebody, to somebody who comes later, if I give the same grace to every single person, no matter what they've done for me or what they've earned for me or how they've served me, don't I have the right? Can I just do that because I'm generous? Do you think any of us have come to Christ because we're good? Because we've done something glorious for him? Do you think we come to Christ so that we can just earn rewards so that we can somehow see ourselves as glorious? I mean, one of the great pictures in all of scriptures found in the book of Revelation, we kind of mentioned it in a song earlier, 
about the crowns, but look at Revelation 4, 9 through 11. And it says, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. I love that. What are the crowns? For you and I, we will receive a crown. It's part of the reward. But what's the crown for? Is it so that we can walk around in heaven and go, Look, bigger crown. Bigger crown than you, Aubrey. Sorry, it'd be kind of fun if that actually happened, but (laughs) probably would be the other way around. No, it's not so we can show off our crown so somebody can go in heaven. Oh, Mike Cooper, you're impressive. Do you know nobody in heaven is going to be impressive but who? The Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we're going to worship him. And even these elders around the throne, man, when, when the, the creatures begin to praise God, the elders fall down before him and they cast their crowns. Whatever about me is good and glorious, it's all from you, Lord. You're the one that created these things. For your reason they exist. You get the glory from whatever I have. Man, you want a reason to serve the Lord today? It's not about personal glory. It's never been about personal glory. There's not much glory in it. Somebody's going to humble you. Somebody's going to be better than you. Somebody's going to be smarter than you. Somebody's going to be more successful than you. Man, it's never about glory, and it should never be. Matter of fact, if we have a brother or sister that's more gifted and more blessed than we are, we should be thankful for them. Amen? But our pride... Our pride gets in the way and we go, what's in it for us? Can I say this? If Jesus is not enough for you, there won't be a reward anywhere in heaven and on earth that will satisfy you. Jesus is the reward. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be running around looking for all kinds of things We're going to come in front of the throne and we're going to worship. Because maybe for the first time, we're actually going to see how glorious he is and how amazing he is. We're going to hear the sound of God's voice through thunder with lightning and peals and and claps. And we're going to see his holiness. He's going to be indescribable. And there we're going to be the redeemed The redeemed, saved from our sin, made clean through the blood of the Lamb, given the righteousness of Christ. It's not going to be about us. It's going to be about him. So what do we learn from this little parable? Well, first, salvation is a gift of grace offered by God through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection If you guys don't know that yet, please know that it's a gift of grace initiated for us by Christ. We wouldn't even have sought it had he not sought us. But secondly, and this one's pretty simple, let's learn that because we're saved by grace, we've already been given more than we deserve. Do you hear me? 
We've already been given more than we deserve. Let's not grumble. Let's not complain. Let's not compare ourselves. Let's not let pride seep in as if we're superior to somebody else. Saved by grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And then finally, let me say this. If you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, he has offered it to you. That's why he said to the rich young man, sell everything, give up the things that are keeping you from me and come to me as Lord, Savior and follow me and I'll give you eternal life. That's why he says to the, to the laborers, go into the field. I want to give you life. I want to provide for you. Follow me. Man, guys, don't miss Jesus. He's made eternal life available. He died on the cross and rose again. You come to him by faith. You'll be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we give you glory. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for this little parable. Lord, though I have been saved for a long time, I was probably an 11th hour guy. The guy that no one would hire. Seemingly forgotten. Quite honestly, Lord, most of us were. Most of us, Lord, if we'd just be honest, we would admit that we, we didn't deserve any grace from you. We don't deserve grace from you. And everything that we have from you is because you're good and you're glorious. I pray for those that have never trusted Jesus that today they trust you, Lord. That today be the day of their salvation. That they would recognize that you died for them on the cross to pay the price for their sins and you rose again on the third day. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would believe like John 3.16 says, and they'd be given eternal life. We love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Pastor Rick's going to come lead us through the Lord's Supper. But let me say this. If you've never trusted Christ, you can do that right where you are. Just tell him. Tell him, I need you. I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Give me life. And if we, as we take this Lord's Supper, remember, this is about remembering what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So let's remember and be thankful. All right, Rick. Wasn't that good? We've got salvation in Christ because of he died for us. In the Old Testament, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which, which I am commanding you today shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. This is the message which we have heard in First John and announce to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's remember Jesus. He, he paid the price. He gave his life for us. Let's worship him. If you have sin in your life and need to confess that, go ahead and do that. We'll, we'll take 30 seconds just to pray and uh, thank God for all he's done for us. Let's pray together. For Jesus, thank you for giving your son. He was obedient to the cross. He died for our sins, and we're grateful this morning. Father, help us to live for you. Help us to walk in the light. And help us to have fellowship one with another. May the blood of Christ cleanse us from all unrighteousness and sin. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Could I have the deacons or men come up and help serve, please?
Jesus paid the debt. When they had the, the dinner in the upper room, Jesus took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Uh, E.G. Olivet, Let, let's, let's eat together. like to ask Nick if he would pray for the the juice now. Father, we remember this morning the death of Christ. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you that we really uh, needed to be sent into the field. We needed uh, someone to provide for us, and that uh, was done in Christ. And we remember this morning, and we give you praise for that. And pray for the juice now as we receive that as well. May we remember the shed blood of Christ and give you praise. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this is a symbol of the, the cup of the new covenant in Christ's blood. Let's drink together. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that all of us can... Uh, Enjoy the salvation that we have in Christ, whether we came to Christ as a child, whether we came to Christ on our deathbed, or as an adult, or as a teen, no matter what, Lord, all those who put their faith in you have salvation through the blood of Christ. Thank you for giving us that gift. What a blessing. May you get all the glory and all God's people said, amen. Amen.